Prepare yourself for a new interview question that you'll likely be asked after the event has passed. This is TFG Unbuttoned. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash, an off-the-cuff take on politics, pop culture, and current events. Welcome to TFG Unbuttoned. John Nash here with my good friend and co-host, Tim Bennett. Find us every week here, um, or you could check out focusgroupradio.com and also learn about our Wednesday broadcast from 1 to 2 p.m. live on Facebook and YouTube. And again, that's at focusgroupradio.com. Video and audio are there, all, along with all the information about us and our partners and sponsors. So welcome to the uh, official, official summer after July 4th hits. You're into the deep of it. And in fact, we're into the, you know, that muggy... What are the, is, when is the dog days of summer, July or August? I always thought it was August, but I guess it could be whatever we want it to be, right? <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I, the dog days of summer. Yeah, let's lay around and do nothing. It's hot, it's, it's humid. Yeah. yeah, you relax, and uh, and that kind of weather is coming up. So, um, did you have a good holiday? Yeah, I did. We uh, so I'm down in Delaware, and we ended up visiting with some friends. Uh, that had a cookout, uh, Mark and Carl, and then uh, Lisa and Amy had stopped by as well. And then the funny thing is, I, I've always said this, I laugh. People our age, for whatever reason, don't just do a cookout anymore, which to me, growing up, was always hamburgers and hot dogs. And so, you know, they do chicken, which is wonderful, and all these kind of very fanciful salads and so forth, and some sort of organic corn that's taken off the cob, blah, blah, blah. So, Yesterday, I said to Richard, let's just have people over for hamburgers, hot dogs. I made a macaroni salad and corn on the cob. And uh, it was funny. I think it turned out okay, but I, I just laughed because people don't seem to do that anymore. I don't know. Did, did you guys, have you guys experienced that? Up here, that's a barbecue. That's a cookout. Uh, upstate, that's hamburgers, hot dogs, salads. Yep. Watermelon. And, and a cold beer. Yeah. yeah. Um, elsewhere it used to, it devolved into all kinds of things like, you know, your favorite grilled chicken or salmon. Do you want salmon instead of a hamburger? <laughs> I would see changing the barbecue maybe to turkey burgers, but it, I still think the burger is an essential kind of central ingredient to that, that all American cook. Yeah, it's right? just an Americana thing. And then, then I had a, I think I told you I had a disturbing or an upsetting call with a very good friend of mine who was. She had sent out a note to a group of people that said happy 4th of July. And then a note came back from a, uh, a person on the board that she was racist for wishing everybody a happy 4th because not everybody uh, celebrates America's independence. So she um, got quite upset by that, by being called a racist for doing it, which I just thought was absurd. But anyway. Well, yeah. And um, on that note, we watched Hamilton this weekend on Disney Plus because it premiered on July 3rd. And this was a uh, movie that was created a while ago with the original cast. And apparently they filmed the show. Everybody had to kind of sign an NDA and not acknowledge that they filmed the show. And it went into a vault. And some of the actors were suspicious that they'd ever see it air or, or be in theaters. Disney... Um, put it together as a 4k film uh released it on july 3rd it's bafo downloads we loved it i see what all the hoopla is about what did you love um, about it 
Um, I just thought that the staging was great. The the casting was fantastic. I liked the music. And it's a it's history that, you know, I have to have repeated because we learned it so long ago. <laughs> so were you okay with I know you're not a fan of rap music, but is it I don't know what the right word is to say, but what did, so the music didn't bother you? No, no. And the and the it was a blend of rap and hip hop. So it was it was you know, and many people who have seen musicals will know that sometimes they sing the spoken parts, you know, to bridge to between the songs. But we thought it was very inventive and we really liked it a lot. And one thing that that it clicked in my head was um, there is a there is a moment in the show where Hamilton's confronting Jefferson saying and they were talking about the government assuming the debts of the states and for, and Ham, uh, Jefferson's like, well, why would why would we assume the debts of New York in Virginia? We were our budgets are all balanced. We're fine. Something like that. And Hamilton's like, yeah, well, we all know how that's done because you, you guys aren't paying for labor. And he was referring to the fact that Virginia and, and Jefferson owned slaves. And that so we saw that after you relayed the story to me of your friend who had that um, that upsetting thing happen where she sent out a, a friendly, hey, happy fourth yeah. and got a surprise back. And it reminded me that, yeah, when we signed the Declaration of Independence, when the war was fought, um, even back then, the founding fathers made concessions for the states, and they allowed that to stand, uh, slavery to stand. So even though they were talking about all men are created equal, they didn't exactly practice it at the very get-go. <laughs> no, and that's and that's <laughs> so, the whole thing about building a more perfect union. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Okay, we're, always, it's always right, we're always striving it's always to work. be perfect, and so it's a start for something better. I view the 4th of July as a start of this great experiment for something better. I think it was Churchill who said it's the the worst system of the world, but if you find a better one, let me know. You, you know, let it's me. something to that. I'm <laughs> paraphrasing, but but that that's I just thought um, I just thought that to me was uh, I don't know I I didn't respond well to it, but I'll leave it at that. You'll leave it at that. <laughs> hey, before we kick off, and this is a perfect segue to our first piece, I want to let you know that Critics Choice Video is a partner of ours here on the Focus Group. And uh, Critics' Choice Video is America's classic and movie and TV authority since 1987. And you can get there by going to focusgroupradio.com and clicking on the Critics' Choice logo, which leads me to our first story, which is movie-based. And that is that Walmart is transforming 160 of its parking lots into drive-in theaters. I thought this was brilliant and clever and such a perfect thing to be doing uh, at this time, since you can't, it's not really advised that you would be sitting for hours in an indoor space other people why not have a, a drive-in movie theater and there are so few left in the country actual old movie theaters D drive-ins did we have where was our closest one when we were growing up do you happen to remember i think there was one in derby and there was one in waterbury weren't there uh, waterbury had one for sure and i remember derby did as well you're right you're right and i i kind of thought thomaston and torrington may have had one but i i i'll have to look that up somehow they could have. I didn't. The, the last time I remember going to a drive-in was I was down visiting my grandparents and uh, neighborhood kids, and a bunch of us went with a family because it was all about how many you could cram in a car. Yeah. To get into the drive-in, and uh, they had a big station wagon, and we went and we watched. Uh, I couldn't even tell you the movie that we watched, but um, I remember going to the drive-in, and you know the the fun wears off in a second or two. I mean, it's not. <laughs> comfortable to sit in a car get a good view but i love the idea of the, the of the the drive-in theater and kind of this reinvention of everything old is new again my only thing about this i don't know if you thought the same thing i did 
I've yet to be to a Walmart parking lot that felt clean. They're always <laughs> filthy. <laughs> now, our Walmart up here is pretty clean. The parking well, lot. I, I don't I know if they're going to do it up here. Yeah, the, the ones here around Philly and, and even the one here in Delaware, they just feels like a sticky, dirty floor and there's crap and stuff blowing all over the place. And I thought, well, maybe or hopefully they'll come through with a with a cleaner and clean it up a little bit because the last thing we need is people throwing their their uh, good and plenty boxes and candy wrappers on the on the ground to uh make it even worse but we'll see well on and and this walmart thing they're partnering with tribeca enterprises which is a robert de niro backed media company to program the films which is kind of cool because they'll probably choose some classic black and whites they'll probably just do a good mix of of films that are classics that have been released before who, who knows maybe a new release uh, locations and movie titles haven't yet been announced, but they'll be revealed on a special website. And the event is going to run through October and encompass more than 300 showings. I don't know if that's 300 nationwide, like 300 theaters, or, you know, if, I doubt they're going to screen 300 movies. There's just not enough time right. on the calendar. So I'm guessing that's how many events there are. But keep your eyes peeled for it because I think it could be fun. I do agree with you. In, pra- in theory, the drive in was fantastic. In practice, it's like, yeah. The novelty wore yeah, the, the novelty wears it. off pretty quick, and I wondered <laughs> yeah. about where people would use the restroom, unless they're going to put porta potties out, or maybe they'll let people go in the store. I don't know, but that was the other thing, right? You would go to a drive-in, and there was always a snack shack or something where you'd go get a soda and a pail of popcorn. And well, that's what you—that's where you would hang out while your yeah. family was in the car. <laughs> you'd go back with your friends to the snack shack, and and yeah, I, I remember, yeah, I remember the snack shack. All right, our next piece uh, is an interesting one because Tim and I interviewed the uh, CEO of this company um, quite a while ago, co-founder and CEO, really cool woman named Jen Rubio, and the company's called Away, and they manufacture like the best carry-on bag you could get, and it's inexpensive relative to others in his class. It's well-constructed, it lasts, has a battery in it for charging things, and this company took off like a rocket. Interestingly, the story is interesting to me on two levels. There's a co-founder and co-CEO named Steph Corey, who back in December had pl- done a lot of social media posts. She was not well-liked within the organization by employees. She was a parent. She was the one that was the functional day-to-day um, operator of the company, where uh, the woman we interviewed, Jen Rubio, was more of the overarching visionary and the one that would go out and speak to people and do interviews like the one she did with us. But this Steph stepped down in December, um, then came back saying, you know, she should not have fallen on her sword so quickly. And now is definitely going to be out by October. But the thing that intrigues me about this is twofold. Uh, For an organization that's based on travel to be having this kind of internal dialogue about how employees feel about management is one thing. The thing that I keep thinking in the back of my mind is where are their sales? Like, (laughs) that's another conversation. So um, because who's traveling, who's buying luggage right now. Um, so what did you make of this one with, uh, Steph stepping back and. Yeah, I, I thought there was more to it than what was reported. And so I tried to dig around a little more, but they said that this Steph Corey was, uh, very aggressive and created a very aggressive culture. And she would frequently scold other workers in front of everybody on the messaging platform. So if someone had done something wrong, whether rather than, or something she didn't approve of rather than addressing it to them directly there was one of this um you know let me embarrass you in front of everybody and tell everyone how foolish you are or the mistake you made and i chalked that up because even in interviewing jen 
and she and Steph were very close as co-founders. I chalked it up a little bit to the growing pains and the fact that they were both in in terms of companies, young people to be running, which turned into such a big company, right? And I think a lot of the mistakes that were made and the way she handled people or treated people, her managerial style came from the fact that she just had a lack of experience. I think somebody who was successful and might've had 20 or 30 years of work experience wouldn't have treated people that way. And so I felt this was an, a, a lesson in um, a lesson in management in terms of younger people, not necessarily knowing how the operations work and bureaucracy works within a corporation. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, I, I would agree. And I would also say that this is also a conflict of founder versus employee. Founders and entrepreneurs are going to be driven differently. They are willing to work 14 hours a day. Um, and I think that bleeds into their expectations for their employees and, and, and also in culture and how they approach work. And because so she, you know, one of the posts that people got pissed off with, she was she was trying to do something where she was going to make people, you know, she was going to give the millennials or her staff a lesson in accountability about showing up. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? We're all working. Lesson in accountability. And I think that pretty much frames it perfectly. And, um, you know, because she as co-founder and co-CEO, she's driven in a slightly different way and probably expects everybody to be equally as engaged and as passionate as she is, right? Right. And one of her other big beefs, she had a beef with some other media outlets of saying that um, things poor things are written about her and her management style because a lot of these so-called journalists, as she called them, want to get clicks and fame, and they um, essentially defamed her and do these sort of pieces just to get clicks and fame, and, and there's no editorial accountability. And a lot of people felt that, why are you coming out with this now? Essentially, she, didn't take, she, she wasn't accountable herself for her actions and the way she behaved. The other thing that wasn't in this story, but they made a point in the letter that uh, was sent to all employees, was recognizing um, their people of color and the LGBTQ employees and so forth about diversity and uh, equity or equality and inclusion. And I thought maybe, again, there was something else here that's not been reported, which, because to, to particularly call that out, I thought, mm, okay, there's, there's something more to this story, probably. Um, and I'm sure it will all come out. I picked that up, too. I, I wasn't sure that her um, saying that the the media that some of the media had lack of or non-existent editorial standards and then how that did fit into POC meaning people of color the LGBTQ employees and a few other groups that they specifically cited in the in Jen Rubio the the, the remaining founder and co-CEO um, put out in a note to the staff saying here's what's going on I agree with you there might be something more and it could just simply be what you identified it be, it's a work culture that's either slightly turning toxic or people are afraid it will or, you know, who knows, but they're trying to get ahead of it. And I still think going back to what I said earlier, getting ahead of it is interesting. OK, fine, you're ahead of it. But now you're in charge of a company that sells luggage and no one's traveling. And they're, they're, that curve of when people are going to be moving again and, and when they might even need to buy a new bag is I, I don't even know how you would game that sitting down in a boardroom, right? Right, that extra burden of, of, yeah, you have this internal conflict and cultural issue, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, your product is now, you know, defunct. Oh, it's, or it's, it's, you're going to be selling where you sold 3,000, you might sell three, <laughs> which is a huge change, right? Yeah. 
So our last piece uh, is uh, what I teased at the opener, and it comes from Mark Cuban, a uh, billionaire um, who owns the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Many people have seen him on a variety of shows. Uh, I like him. I think he's a smart businessman, and he always posits interesting things. And lately, the one that he's been saying, and he has some advice for the millions of Americans who are out of work um, and who will be going back to eventually to find uh, either they're their returning to their gigs or finding a new one. His advice is this, collect unemployment, don't stop applying for jobs, and make use of whatever downtime you might have to brush up on the skills that might impress your future employer. And then he says, the first question every interviewer is going to ask you is, what did you learn during the pandemic of 2020? What skills did you add during the pandemic of 2020? I thought this was really interesting because this is one of those ones that you and I hate certain questions. Right. Like, Tell me about yourself or where, where are you going to be in five years? This one, I think we could all pretty well answer if we, you know, this is an interesting question. And I think the answers that people hear, if this is in fact asked during interviews, are going to yeah, be Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought we both like, I'm a, we're both fans of Mark Cuban. And, um, and I think so much so because if you, you know, he figured it out. I mean, if you read about his history, about how he got out of college, there weren't a lot of jobs. He went to Dallas because that market was the best of the worst and, you know, was able to, to make a go of it. And so I think he had very smart advice. I, I, I tried myself to figure out how I would answer that. You and I have been, been working still-ish, I, <laughs> I guess. I don't know how you would phrase it. But I know that you, you particularly in some things with our show have been learning some new skills and getting, and getting ready to maybe change some production things that we do. So, you know, you, you, I, I, think, I don't think you've been idle. Um, do you think you've been idle during the pandemic? Not at all. Neither of you. We've been reimagining a whole bunch right. of things. Um, website for our consultancy and our ad business. Um, you know, we have other projects that we put on hold in favor of dealing with clients who had um, immediate deadlines. And now, when we reexamine those projects, they're they're healthy. They have they're easy to move along. The, and I I would like to actually move them at light speed <laughs> to to get some of that concluded. But one thing I would say, um, and I've talked to other individuals about this before I read this article, was many people are examining, you know, the nature of what they did beforehand. If they're furloughed, are they going to return to their same job? Do they want to? Um, and and I think those are questions that none of us can answer. So Mark Cuban, I would say that's a great way of framing this to ask that question. You know, what did you do? What did you learn? might help you to actually begin to examine where you think you want to put energies. And my personal philosophy is have two or three things at the ready. Maybe it's two different versions of your resume that you really believe in. These are things you want to do, and not just because you've done them before and you're good at it, but maybe this is where you want to be. I would say look at some personal projects that want to get done. Maybe you want to go through all your photos and scan them. You know, I've always... <laughs> You know, I'm talking about that all the time. But yeah, the, the photo scanner, Nash. The photo scanner. Um, but this, I thought, was a good framing mechanism for beginning to think about how we are going to all return to work and what this really means. Yeah, I thought it was a good article and a very smart and uh, worth taking worth taking a read. I thought I'll post this to our uh, Facebook page, which is Focus Group Radio, and people can read it. And as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, our friends at Critics' Choice Video, America's classic movie and TV authority since 1987, have been with us since the start of Unbuttoned. And we would encourage you 
to visit their site and start some shopping because they have some of the best titles and nonlinear digital is the way to go, in my opinion, especially package things that you can't find online or streaming. I would also say when you get to the site, upper left corner, request a catalog. They come every four or five weeks. And I love flipping through it because <laughs> I don't, I'm not always, um, you know, process directed where I, I, I have a thought that I have to get this film. Instead, I love flipping through and saying, oh, I remember that film, or I've always wanted to see that film. I went to Critics' Choice uh, video and I was right on the homepage. I saw a movie that I have not seen, which should surprise a lot of people considering my fascination and my past. It was Pixar, Pixar's Onward, you know, their latest uh, 3D animated right. film. And you know me, and I love animation. So I should have seen this. I haven't yet. And I think it would be fun to get it on Blu-ray because I always love how crisp a movie looks on Blu-ray. Well, and, and, and the exact other side, I, I got lost in, uh, there's a category called, called Hollywood's Golden Age Sale, 1930 to 1949. And what I always loved about a lot of these old movies is it was there was a simple story or there was a story told and it was told succinctly and in the right amount of time. So I've always been a big fan of of some of these older older movies in the golden age. So there's pages and pages and pages of um, probably lots of titles that you've either heard or not heard of that you can pick up at Critics Choice. And there's a number of number of different sales going on. So, hey, thanks for joining us today. We'd like to uh, remind you that we're also live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. with our show, The Focus Group, with Tim Bennett and John Nash, and of course, our Tuesday podcast, which is available uh, every morning, which is TFG Unbuttoned. You can find out uh, all about us and all of our media, both audio and video, at focusgroupradio.com. Thanks again to our friends at Critics' Choice, and we hope you all have a great week, and we'll see you on Wednesday. It's the Focus Group Unbuttoned with Tim Bennett and John Nash. Available every Tuesday. Learn more about Tim and John, Unbuttoned, and all of the Focus Group platforms at focusgroupradio.com.